Hi, I'm Alicia Yoon. I'm the founder and CEO of Peach and Lily. What I love about beauty is that it's for everyone. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, welcome to Beauty is Your Business. Today, I'm your host, David Prada, and our guest today is Alicia Yu. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to our episode today. I'm so excited to have you on. I think we've come across each other a few times in the industry, and I am just so excited to talk to you this afternoon, just because I've always looked up to what you've done in the beauty space. You know, I've been in it for a quarter of a century, so I'm excited to hear and to tell all of our listeners, like, your journey, how it all began and how Alicia got into this beauty world. Amazing. Well, you're too kind. And thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your podcast and all that you're doing. So I'm really excited to chat today. Oh, great. Can you tell us like the beginning stages? I love the journey because I'm first generation American, but I was reading in your bio that you were born in Korea. So you were born in Korea and then made your way to New York. Is that how it all started your journey into America and into the beauty industry? Yeah. So born in Korea, came to the U.S. when I was a year old and basically was here in the U.S. until I was about 12 years old. And our family went back to Korea. And before, from one to 12, I was living in a few different places, but predominantly in New York. And so, yeah, at 12, going back to Korea, you know, you don't remember anything when you're like a baby. So it was this interesting kind of culture shock of sorts, even though my family is Korean and I had gone to Korea before, like just all of a sudden moving to Korea, it was very adventurous for me. I think because I was still pretty young, I was very excited to explore like this whole other country to actually like live there. And then my parents stayed in Korea and I came back to New York for college in 2000. So it's interesting because now I look back and I've spent most of my life in New York But because my formative years were in Korea, I still feel like, I don't know, both places are home for me. I feel very fortunate to have had this like bicultural, bilingual experience. And I'm trying very hard to try to provide some of that for my kids too. (laughs) Trying to speak to them in only Korean. I don't know. It's a little hard, but trying. It's important to do that. I'm so happy that my mother did it with us. So I remember learning Spanish or Italian, but like, I'm lucky that I know those languages and I think it's important. I wish I would have done that with my son, but I wasn't that great at parenting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. No, it's hard, right? It's so hard. There's not a book or a class you could take to master it. It's like trial and error. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So then when you finished college in New York, Did you go on to work for a company or what was your next chapter after that? Back in 2000, finance was having its heyday. And I remember getting to college and everybody was talking about iBanking. And I had never heard of it. I literally thought it was like something to do with your eyes. And I was like, huh, that sounds strange. What is that? Why is everyone talking about it? And I literally discovered this whole new industry that I had known nothing about when I was in high school. And so I don't know, I just thought like, oh, that's something that I want to pursue when I graduate college. So 
that's what I did. I did all of my internships, mostly in the finance industry. And when I graduated, I went to Goldman Sachs. Even though I was a liberal arts major, I majored in philosophy and East Asian studies. But I was like, that's school. And for my job, I'll try this. So yeah, I was at Goldman Sachs for two years in their analyst program. And I don't know, it's funny because I didn't really enjoy finance as a career path, but I didn't know better then, right? I thought it's a job. I thought in my mind, I was like, a job is a job, it's work. And fun is like outside of work. And so for two years, I mean, I still had a great experience in that I learned so much, but then after the program, you interview for what you might be doing after. And a lot of people from the program would go to work for like hedge funds or private equity funds. So I was going to all these interviews and it was funny because the interviews are actually going well. And as I was getting closer and closer to getting a potential offer, I was like, oh my goodness, as I was walking out of these interviews and I see people who would be me like the following year, I was like, I don't think I want to keep doing this. And so I called my dad and, you know, he's always been like a great mentor and, you know, would talk to me about a lot of different things like career related. And I was like, dad, I just like feel like I'm not that passionate about this. And he was like, oh my goodness, you're two years out of college. Why do you feel like you have to keep doing this? It's okay. Like explore other things. And so that's how I started my career. That's incredible. And so how did you end up in the beauty space after, you know, Goldman Sachs and working in finance for two years out of school, how did you end up getting into the beauty world? That didn't happen for a little while longer. So then after that, I went into management consulting because I thought it would be a really great way to get experience in a lot of different industries. Even if you're not working at the company, you're on projects at the company and also exposure to a lot of different functional areas. And so that was really fun. And I did that for two years. And I actually thought I was going to go to law school at that point. My dad's a lawyer and I sort of was like, my LSAT scores are expiring. I guess I'll just go. And my boss at the time was like, you know, I actually think you would really like business school. And I had never really thought about business school and I hadn't looked into a business school program before. He was a great boss. He was like, I'm going to take off my friend hat, put on my boss hat. And I'll tell you what, if you go to business school, like if you apply, take two weeks to do everything for your application, which was still kind of a crunch because you have to take your testing, you have to write your application. But he was like, if you get your apps in, I'll actually give you those two weeks, just, you know, free PTO. I really think you would enjoy it. So I'm really grateful to him because I started looking into the program and it was really exciting the more I explored it. So ended up applying, went to Harvard Business School after from 2008 to 2010. And that was when the financial crisis was happening. I remember. And so exactly right. I left New York and moved to LA. I started my business too, because I was like, what am I going to do? It was like literally all the headlines, right? Things that you never thought would happen in the financial industry, just a trickle down effect on like so many people and industries. And so yeah, in 2008, in business school, there was this big focus on entrepreneurship. So HBS was like very supportive about helping you explore ideas, curriculum, like bringing in alumni to speak about different aspects of being an entrepreneur. And so I started to really think I would love to maybe do something where I start my own business. And in the background, you know, like my grandfather is a serial entrepreneur. So I had this kind of like interesting juxtaposition of role models growing up where I saw my dad 
be a lawyer and have this corporate job that he loved. But I also saw my grandfather really chart his own path, do this very intensive career track where he's just like this lifelong serial entrepreneur. And, you know, I always thought that looks so fun. But what my dad's doing also looks very fulfilling. He loved it. So it looked fulfilling and stable too, in a lot of ways. And so when I was in business school, I really just started thinking like, I really want to try doing something entrepreneurial. Started a company in business school in fashion, bringing Korean fashion over to the US. It didn't go that well because it was really hard to scale. There were issues with clothing sizes, content labeling, and so forth. But there is no playbook, but it's pretty fun. Graduated business school, didn't have an idea that I thought would be scalable or that I really wanted to work on. So went back into consulting. I was at BCG for a couple years. And every week I would meet up with a friend. We were both interested in the startup space. So we would just grab dinner, research ideas, like talk about startup business models. Like every week we just had the standing meeting. And it was funny. Everything was so cerebral. We were like, okay, like maybe there's an opportunity in this space. But one day, literally two years after business school, I was like, I love skincare. I have severe eczema. I ended up going to beauty school to learn just how to figure out my own skin. I was doing facials for friends nights and weekends. My home always looked like an apothecary. It's like my dream. You know, it's like my whole life products everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was like, this is my happy space. And my parents are still in Korea. So every time I would go back to Korea, I would bring products back and everybody would ask me, where did you get these products? These are amazing. And I realized, oh my goodness, it's a globalized world. And yet Korean beauty products and innovations are just like not available in the US. And so I was like, that's what I should do. That's the startup I want to do. And it was so different. All the other ideas, it was so almost scholastic, right? It was like writing about it, putting together a business plan, researching. It felt like work. Whereas as soon as I started thinking about skincare, Korean beauty, I couldn't sleep. For two weeks, I was still working at BCG and I was so like, oh my goodness, this is what I need to do. And so two weeks later, I went to HR and I was like, I just have to try my hand at the startup. I'll finish the project I'm working on. And they made it really easy for me. BCG's a great company. And they were like, open door policy back. We hope and think it'll work out, but you know, just don't feel stressed. And that gave me, I don't know, I think it was just all passion led. And so, yeah, I quit my job. I don't have the savings that I thought I wanted to have before starting a company. I didn't have a business model. I didn't have anything prepared. I didn't have anything researched. I just was like, I'm going to do this. I'm ready for it. So that's how it all started in 2012. I love that. That's how the best things always do happen. It's just like, it's just, you just go with it and you just make these decisions and you're like, whoa, (laughs) okay, I'm here. Yeah. And you know, like growing up, one thing my grandfather told me that always stayed with me is he was like, don't chase goals. Don't chase money chase your dream. When you are passionate about something and you chase that, it's the fuel that keeps giving because it is hard, but that's going to be what keeps you going. And that's what you're going to wake up to every day and really feel like you're in your flow. You're doing what you love. And so, yeah, when I just started realizing like, I can't stop thinking about this, that advice really was like what I kind of leaned into. And I was like, okay, I'm just so into this space. I can't stop thinking about Korean skincare. Like that's what I'm doing. 
you definitely inherited his entrepreneurial energy. And it's so beautiful that you've used that energy from your ancestors to create such a beautiful business. I had to write it down because I'm going to look at it because I love quotes like that from wisdom and from grandparents. It's just so beautiful because it is the truth. If you're doing what you love, not thinking about the money, just doing something that makes you smile every day. And sometimes we forget when we're in the mix of it all. You forget that you do love what you're doing because you're just like trying to handle everything. But it's good to hear that. Right. And can you imagine if you're doing all of that, but you don't even love it? You know, it Terrible. would be so hard. Yeah. I've always known what I love. Thank God. I've never had a job that I didn't love. So I also ended up just behind a counter after an accounting job in New York City because I just thought it was fun. <laughs> That's so, I love that so much. You know, and I think we all find what we love and just that is the fuel. I love it. The fuel that keeps on giving. I love that. What a great grandfather. And so then how did you come up with the name and the whole like branding? Oh my gosh, David, it took a long time. Like, I think I thought about it for like a few weeks straight, you know, just like so many different ideas. And what I knew I didn't want was something so on the nose, like koreanbeauty.com. We're not doing that. I also knew it needed to be easy to spell. The website had to be available. And I wanted something that would be a nod to the Korean heritage and Peaches and lilies show up as motifs in artwork a lot and also just like throughout the culture. And I also loved it because it's symbolic of radiance, full bloom, like an evolving thing like your skincare. And I really liked that there was an ampersand in the middle, peach and lily, because what I really wanted to create was a destination where you don't have to compromise. So you can be this and that. So our peach and lily formulas, it's powerful results and gentle for skin. I liked that the name was Peach and Lily as a nod to that concept. I love it. And so in the early stages when you were starting, you were bringing in so many brands in from Korea. How long was it that you were doing that? Because I remember you doing all these great partnerships with retailers and having like these beautiful walls of your Korean masks and all these stores. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Because I used to like always go into like in New York and the little Korean neighborhood, they have little shops. It's the nomad area. Because I always have loved Korean barbecue and kimchi and like the culture. And so like I was just always in those little shops. Oh, I love it. When you started your business, I was just always so fascinated because I would actually go into Barney's and look at all my brands there and then buy like six of your masks to put in my bag to travel with. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for supporting us back then. That's awesome. Then you just kind of moved into your own brand, your own product. So can you tell us the timeline and how all that came about? What's funny is when I first launched Peach and Lily in 2012, I didn't have this grand master plan, right? I wasn't like, yes, and at year X, like we're going to launch our own brands. Instead, again, it was just complete passion, right? For me, because I struggled so much with severe eczema, after like years of hands-on trial and error, study, et cetera, finding a way to transform how my skin looks and feels, that changed my life because there's something about not knowing what causes your flare-ups, not knowing if you're going to wake up the next day with rashes or not, to then going to a place where I'm like, okay, if I do these things this week, I might have a flare up in two days, but that's a choice I'm making. Or I'm probably going to be good for the next coming weeks because I've been like really good about like all these different trigger factors, et cetera. And what I'm using on my skin, my whole lifestyle, all of that. And it was just so empowering to actually take back control of 
my own body and know what's going on in a very holistic way. And so I honestly felt like I entered the matrix. I was like, wow, there's like a science behind all of this. And so I became very passionate about wanting to help other people with their skin too. That was like a passion and like kind of a personal hobby for so long. And so when I started Peach and Lily, the mission was very single-minded. Let's empower people on their skincare journey. And at that point, the way that we knew how was bring Korean beauty products to the US because I really saw it as if you have a toolbox of all these tools to help your skin, the toolbox was missing a lot of tools. There are these incredible ingredients and product categories available in Korea that's just not here in the US. Let's bring those tools here so that people have a more comprehensive toolbox. And so started Peach and Lily with that mission. So what ended up happening is in the beginning, we pioneered this Korean beauty movement. And I thought, again, if we're about empowering people on their skincare journey, products need to be very accessible. Like skincare is very touch and feel. And at that point, MPG reports were saying 96% of purchases, I think it is, is still happening offline first. And so we, from the very beginning, thought we need to be omni-channel. So it was really exciting because we brought Korean beauty for the first time to places like Target, launched Sephora's Korean beauty assortment, Barney's, had a pop-up in Bergdorf, CVS, Urban Outfitters, QVC. We distributed some to Anthropology. Like it was just fast and furious, right? I was like new to the beauty industry other than knowing skincare in terms of like working in the beauty industry. I hadn't worked at L'Oreal before, for example. So it was just like figuring things out, but just again, like completely led by passion. We had some incredible retail partnerships, but in the background, what we were doing all along, again, going back to that mission of helping people with their skin is from day one, anyone who emails us about their skincare questions or skin concerns, like whatever it is, you don't need to be an actual customer of our website. You don't even need to be an email subscriber. Anyone can email hello at peachandlily.com or ask lily at peachandlily.com and a licensed in-house esthetician is going to answer your skincare questions in a very personalized way. And so over the years, we started seeing so much information, qualitative information about what people were looking for. And we had this really big aha moment where I was like, I'm not alone in that for me, my whole life, when it came to skincare, I had to make trade-offs because my skin is extremely sensitive. I had to choose between high performing active ingredients or soothing formulas. You can't have both. Like you can't use retinol when you have super sensitive skin and think you won't have irritation. And so many people were like, I want both. I wanted both my whole life. And I'm seeing so many people want both. So that's what we set out to create. And again, everything ladders to that mission, right? How do we best empower people in their skincare journey? And Peach and Lily, our brand is an extension of that mission where we're like, we're going to create products that aren't out there, where we are able to offer something that is concentrated retinaldehyde. 10% glycolic acid, but made gentle through Korean beauty innovations for everyone to use without worry. And I'll tell you, I have the most sensitive skin, even though I'm a middle-aged man now. I started in the beauty because I would break out so easily always. And so I've used everything and it's so amazing, even the retinol. I'm so happy to hear that. That's with this copper peptide pro firming serum. 
Just love the way it feels on my skin. Glides on, right? Yeah. Which What year did you launch your Peach and Lily product line? We're actually celebrating our five-year anniversary this year. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been really exciting. I think when you really keep that customer always comes first, we craft skincare with zero compromises. That is our promise. And by that, we mean you can have it all, right? It can be powerful, proven results, gentle for even the most sensitive skin, clean and clinical, bold innovations, and kind to skin and earth. We take a very long time with the formulations because of those promises. And it's been incredible to see that really resonating and word of mouth really being our biggest marketing lever. And in just five years, we launched in Ulta five years ago. And this year, we're expected to be the number five skincare brand in the prestige space there. Wow, that's amazing. And so, yeah, it's just been exciting to see that resonate with people. Could you tell the listeners, because, you know, everyone is wanting to create their own brands and they want some ideas. Like, when did you realize that you need to scale your business a little bit more in order to kind of create the products you wanted and to grow your business? So it's interesting. I don't think we've ever needed funding, but funding has helped us. So what happened is very early on in the business, I was like year one, literally month one, I was very fortunate to have a lot of friends who had started companies. So I was getting notes from everyone, right? And they were like, you can meet with VCs, et cetera, et cetera. So I met with them. And very soon I realized it becomes path dependent. When you take funding from VCs, it's really this expectation of grow at all costs. Profitability is not necessarily the focus. And I looked at my business model and while our formulas and our curation is innovative, the business model is a very meat and potatoes type business, right? Like we make products and we sell them. And I thought if we can't figure out how to be profitable and cash flow positive early on, this business model is not sustainable. So I chose not to even pursue that funding in the early days. So it was really hard for the first few years. It's interesting, right? Because the business is growing and it's growing pretty quickly and there's all these great signs. And yet cash flow is always this existential reality for us, right? Are the lights going to go out? Like, oh my goodness. And, you know, it just takes a minute for that cash flow cycle to catch up with your business, right? And so it was really tough. The first couple of years didn't pay myself. I think at one point I had like $7 in my bank account, didn't have an office, almost got evicted. Like it was really intensely. It was real. It was real. I was like all in, nothing to my name except for like a few dollars and business school loans. It was real. But then very early on, like going into year three of the business, raised a small seed round with angel investors. And at that point, we had become cash flow positive and we didn't need the funding. But when you know your business model is now proven, right? Your cash flow positive. I was like, this is a good time to raise a bit of money. So raised an angel round at that point, And that was year two and a half or something like that of the business. Then from there on, did not raise any outside funding until year eight. You're eight, and now we're year 11 of the total company, and you're five of our brand. So, you're eight. It was interesting because at that point, we really did not need to raise funding. The business had grown a lot more. The cash flow cycle was very comfortable, but it was working really well. And we were like, you know, when it's working really well, and you know how you're going to actually use the funding, because 
what I didn't want to do was raise a bunch of money. And then it's just like a big experiment. I wanted to make sure I know how I'm going to use that funding to grow revenue in a profitable way. And so year eight, we partnered up with Sandbridge Capital. They're a great partner. We love the partnership. They're just like very focused on building brand equity the right way. And it's interesting because when you raise, when you don't really need the funding, it's a really good position to be in. But also afterwards, you still have that discipline of we're going to be very exacting about how we use our funds, right? So you're not just, you're really keeping an eye towards profitability, et cetera. So that was our fundraising journey. Amazing. I guess after that round of funding, we probably hit COVID, right? Is that what happened? Literally <laughs> two months later. Seems like I'm doing the math in my head. I was like... You did the math so correctly two months later. I was like, so what happened then? You have me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> it was January 2020. So technically COVID was already there. And then the world changed. Yeah. Okay, the world changed. And so in those years, so many businesses grew in different ways. So many businesses shifted. What did you have to do to like, because I know people loved skincare and body care and anything that felt good during those moments. And did you see a growth in your business? We definitely did. And, you know, we were really grateful for that. We also leaned really into education and community and how do we really support our community during this time? So we started doing like so many educational Instagram lives and launched Peach Skincare Academy and really focused on you know, just being there for our community in ways they wanted us to show up for them. And education was like a really big piece of that. Whenever we did social media polls or email polls, like people would be like, I just want to learn more about skincare. And we trust you guys on vetting the information. So it was really something that we made sure to really do the right way. You know, we have this trust. We always want to make sure that we are really vetting everything. So that was one big thing we did. The other thing that I was very, very happy about is at that time we had a field team, we still do, to go into Ulta Beauty stores. And of course, you know, like so many other retail environments, Ulta Beauty was closed for a time period. And then going back into stores and servicing the stores, everything was just like a little bit different. And one thing that I'm so happy about and proud of our whole team is that we really decided with our field team, with our sales team, we're not going to do any furloughing or letting them go. We just held on to our team and really made it work and you know, really figured out ways that potentially they could get involved in other areas of the business. And yeah, that was something that we just made a decision to do. And I think it was the right thing to do. And yeah, it was just a very intense time in the sense that we had to be so agile about everything. And then of course, like kind of coming out of that situation, then the global supply chain crisis hits, we make most of our things in Korea. Like it's been a lot, but I think again, because we started off our business for eight years without that outside institutional funding resourcefulness, being agile, being very insights driven, like all of that just was really part of our DNA and muscle memory. So when the pandemic happened, the supply chain crisis happened, you know, our team really rose to the occasion and just found ways to be agile and evolve with like everything that was changing out there. Right. I actually like commend you on that. 
I chose the same thing. I did not furlough. We just like powered through and kind of found solutions to the issues. And we were doing so well. And then the supply chain issues happened and a lot of our brands couldn't even get all of their raw goods. And so then that started happening. And that's when it started getting a little trickier. <laughs> but then we had to find ways to just, you know, make it past that and power through. For me, I, I consider you like a hustler scrapper. Like, you know, you can do it. Like you almost got evicted, had $7 in your bank account, but managed <laughs> to like keep powering through and you weren't scared. You believed in your vision. And so having that sense is very rare. And so I love that you did that and look where you are now. So can you tell the listeners before we wrap it up, what is going on right now with Peach and Lily? Your brand has grown significantly. I have to say... This PowerCom Hydrating Gel Cleanser. Could you run us through some of your products before? Just because I want everyone to like go onto your site and order some of your products. Thank you. Yeah. I would say for anyone who's looking to build a solid skincare routine, and I always say start there because some of your other skincare concerns, like whether it's hyperpigmentation or fine lines, what have you, when you have your skincare routine down pat, where you're keeping your skin hydrated, calmed, antioxidant-rich, vitamins, minerals, and also not doing damaging things during the cleansing step, a lot of those other concerns might actually seem a lot more diminished. And so I always say like, start with the fundamentals and then see what you need to add on. Plus whatever you add on then will go only further from there. And so that really solid routine, we have our glass skin routine, which is four steps. So it's a power calm hydrating gel cleanser, the wild do treatment essence, the glass skin serum, and the matcha pudding cream. And the reason those four products are this like foundational routine is because we really thought about carefully curating ingredients to not just synergistically work together, but to cover those bases. Because again, in having eczema, I really learned that skin works very holistically. As an example, hydration is linked to every skin concern. If your skin is dehydrated, even with hyperpigmentation, Vitamin C, nice, cinnamide, et cetera, isn't going to work as well because your melanocytes can stay overactive when your skin is dehydrated. And so you want to make sure you cover all of your bases first, those foundational bases. And so that glass skin routine includes those four steps. And of that, the glass skin refining serum is really this iconic serum that really kind of sparked this glass skin movement. And that serum is so easy to use. It's really universal for all skin types and gives you everything from targeting, brightening, firming, antioxidants, hydration, but it's also all about what's not in the product. So nothing irritating, very clean, just things that are not going to be two steps forward and a step back for your skin, right? And so I would start there. Actually, we have all of that in trial size products in the Glass Skin Discovery Kit. And it's kind of like a great value too. So that's a really good place to start. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm already obsessed with everything I've tried. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I have to do a, a quick trip to Spain for a girlfriend's wedding. It's going to be only a three-day trip, you know, because we're in fourth quarter, busy season. So I was like, I can't be away from the office too long. So I'm flying there. So I'm excited because I can bring most of it on the plane with me too. Oh, amazing. Yeah, everything is TSA friendly. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's perfect. And so before we wrap up, if there was any advice you would give any of the listeners that are kind of wanting to make changes and wanting to start their own business as an entrepreneur that's been so successful in the beauty space, what are your words of advice and your wisdom? 
Number one, if you find something that you're passionate about, that's like the first step. Number two, when you do find something that you're passionate about and you really want to focus on that and start something up, just go for it. Because honestly, I don't think that there's any like prerequisites. I don't think going to business school necessarily helped me. I think it was all about just figuring things out, you know, really trusting your instincts, leaning into that common sense, really like that business judgment is really making the best decision, looking at all of the different factors. Don't let fear get in the way because it is just a lot of unknowns, but very few things are going to be like things that just kind of end the business. There's a lot of little things that you can kind of do to pivot if you feel like that decision wasn't right. And so even though it's a lot of uncertainty, if you are really passionate about something and you just like really want to start it up, I would just encourage you to give it a go. But you have to be sure that you're really passionate about it and that you really want to do something entrepreneurial. Because it isn't easy. It's a lot of work. I always felt like you got to be someone that has that, you know, that drive because there's so many people that want to have a brand, but they don't want to do the work. And so I think, you know, you've got to have that work ethic, which you've always had. And you've got that fire in you, which is amazing. I have to say, this has been such a fun, almost 40 minutes talking to you. I could talk to you all day. I know. I feel like we have to grab Korean barbecue or something. Oh my God. I'm, definitely. Next time I'm in New York, I'll let you know when I'm, I'm in the neighborhood. And I have to say, I have loved everything you've created and what you've done in the space and how you created your own voice. And doing this for many years and working with over 100 brands, my career, my time, I think what you're doing is so refreshing and so needed. And I love how products are made and manufactured in Korea. These are by far the best quality products. I also love the Italian manufacturers too. Yeah. But they just don't respond to emails. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love all Korean beauty and I'm so thankful you created that voice and brought it to the forefront of the beauty industry. Oh, thank you. Alicia, for the listeners, can you tell them where they can find you on your website or also on social? Yeah, it's peach like the fruit and lily like the flower, peachandlily.com. And social media is peach and lily. And on TikTok, it's peach and lily official. And then I'm Alicia Yoon 212 on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beauty is Your Business. I also have my own podcast, Living in a Material World, so make sure to check that out. Hopefully, you can also check us out on Instagram, which is David Parada or David Parada Brands or Materie, M-A-T-E-R-I-A-E. Thanks again. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.